Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 2, 16 through 18, called He is Able to Help. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The thief comes only to, remember, steal, kill, and destroy. Peter put it this way in 1 Peter 5, 8. He goes about as a roaring lion seeking someone to destroy or devour. How would he devour somebody? Well, if you think about Peter's own experience, Peter cowered in the face of, you know, fear at the firelight when the servant girl asked him, you know, aren't you one of them? So forth and so on. And uh, the answers... In, in this world to these issues of life and death aren't very uh, exhilarating. During the Second World War, Sir John Lawrence attended what he described as a sort of communist memorial service for Stanislavski in the Moscow Arts Theater. He says, there was a closed coffin on the stage draped in a red flag. The dead band's colleagues came and said goodbye to him in set speeches. One heard some of the world's greatest actors and actresses speaking of their teacher and leader, which should have been a moving occasion, but the experience was empty. I was not at the time a Christian believer, but even so, it stuck with me that communism has nothing to say about death. There was no development of a theme, such as one gets in the prayer book service for the burial of the dead. In the same way, to visit the mausoleum where Lenin lies and where Stalin lay for a few years beside him is for me a disturbing experience precisely because it has no content, close quote. This is a commentary by Brown on Hebrews and he's quoting now Bertrand Russell uh, who was a humanist and uh, anti-God. He says, brief and powerless is man's life. On him and all his race the slow Sure doom falls pitiless and dark. Blind to good and evil, reckless of destruction, omnipotent matter rolls on in its relentless way. For man condemned today to lose his darest, tomorrow himself to pass through the gates of darkness. It remains only to cherish ere yet the blow fall, the lofty thoughts that ennoble his little day, to worship at the the shrine his his own hands, have built, close quote. And Richard Dawkins, who, you know, is a naturalist, atheist, says DNA just is, and we dance to its music. Some people are going to get lucky. Some people are going to lose out, and they'll get a diagnosis, and it's just the nature of DNA. DNA neither knows nor cares. We're just dancing wherever the music takes us, baby. Exhilarating, isn't it? The exhilarating answers of humanism, communism, socialism, naturalism, isms that you could go down a big list, they got nothing. We can do the isms of religion and they've got nothing unless Christ is at the center. And the writer of Hebrews says, if you go back to Judaism, void of Christ, you have no salvation. How shall we escape if we neglect 
so great a salvation. If you drift, you will drift away from the only thing that can be the anchor of your soul. Got it? That's what he's saying. And so when the first century folks or moderns, contemporaries, they ponder the idea of death. It's a shattering prospect. But Jesus, through his death and resurrection, broke the power of death. For those who are in Christ, these verses vividly portray, quoting one writer, helpless man, the terrified victim of a triple enemy, sin, death, and the devil. Christ met these sinister powers and defeated them. In Christ, death can no longer separate us from God. Romans 8, 37 through 39. Death has no more sting. The grave has lost its power. But some of you may say, but wait a minute. People are still dying. And as far as I know in biblical theology, the devil, you just quoted the verse, Pastor Michael, is still on the prowl. I was reading a commentator and he said that he, before uh, he was a professor, he had a um, mail route. He was a mail person. And uh, he was delivering mail to this house and this huge, vicious dog, he said the most mean-looking dog he'd ever seen in his life came running at him and he felt like a little helpless victim. What am I going to do now? <laughs> oh, no. And this dog came charging at him and snarling and drool and everything. He thought, I'm done for. And to his great delight, the dog was on a chain. And right before he reached the frightened future commentator, he, he was stopped by this heavy chain. And it was like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. He said, I no longer, when I delivered mail for the rest of my time on my route, paid attention to that dog. I always looked at the stake that he was chained to. And if that stake was strong, I knew I was fine. The devil is still uh, barking and growling, but he's on a chain. Everybody with me? He has limited power. And he has lost the stinger or he's lost his bite. He can bark a lot and he tries to frighten people and scare people and all of this, but in the end, he's chained. And Jesus Christ is our great conqueror. Jesus uh, has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, 2 Timothy 1.10. And in verse 15, it says, he, Christ has rendered impotent the devil and death's power. While he is still active in the world, he's been defeated. He's all bark, no bite. If you're taking notes, number two, Jesus is our conqueror. The deliverance is real because Jesus became one of us and defeated our enemies. I want to show you a great section in Isaiah 25, if you hold your place in the book of Hebrews. Maybe we can throw it up on the screen, Shane, if you can for me. Isaiah chapter 25. This is a celebration meal, probably uh, in the millennial kingdom of Christ or the kingdom to come, the redeemed earth. Here's what it says. It says, uh, verse 6 of Isaiah 25, the Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet, 25.6 of Isaiah, for all peoples on this mountain. A banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow and refined aged wine, Isaiah 25.7. And on this mountain, he will swallow up the covering which is over all peoples, the veil or shroud which is stretched over all nations, 25.8. He will swallow up death, what's your Bible say? For all time. 
This is the realization of death being swallowed up in victory according to 1 Corinthians 15. And this may be the party that celebrates it. It would appear that in the future there will be a celebration to celebrate death's demise. Probably a three-layer cake uh, with a the Grim Reaper on the top with an X through him or something like that. And we will be celebrating. Can you imagine what kind of party you would have on the day that death dies? Can you imagine how much excitement there will be on the day when death dies? Well, what is the day when death dies? When Christ comes again at the resurrection and the rapture of the church. And so here's what the Bible says. It says... Uh, he will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord, and this is probably when it's all going to happen, verses that we've read in Revelation and so forth, the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces in light of the fact that death has died and he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth. And you're like, are you sure? Uh, is it really true? Is it too good to be true? For the Lord has spoken. And every word of God is pure and tested. He is the God of truth. Amen? In him, there's no lie. In fact, it's impossible for God to lie. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So this is the beauty of what the writer's saying. He's saying to this early church, hold on, because Christ came into our broken world, became fully human, died in our place, rose from the dead, plucked the stinger from death. The day is coming when he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Don't you abandon that hope for temporary, perhaps comfort. You know, some people run away from true hope only to find what they ran to is got nothing. And as I look out at you tonight, I know some of you have backslidden. I'm not saying I know your personal stories, but we have a few people that follow some of you around during the week. I'm just kidding. But I've talked to enough of you and I've experienced it myself where if you try to go back to the world, what is there for you? You know, in the early church, there were actually people who under threat of persecution denied the Lord. This is literal church history. They, upon threat of death, deny Christ and we won't kill you. And they denied him. It's a very human thing, right? Which one of us knows what we would do in those kinds of moments? So people, many, many people denied the Lord. And then they regretted it and they came back to the church and asked for a second chance. And the church, the early church had to wrestle with what to do with these people. Because Many of them had denied the Lord in a moment of pressure and then wanted to come back into the church. Well, what do we do with these people? Well, if Peter was standing at the door, I think he'd welcome them in because he denied the Lord three times that he even knew him. Amen? I think the writer of Hebrews is saying this. If you go somewhere else, you go back fishing, you go back to whatever you think you're going to find answers then. Maybe you came out of the new age. Maybe you came out of witchcraft. Maybe you came out of atheism. Maybe you came out of some other movement that seems like in this day at this moment, it might be easier if you just kind of went back there and sat in the back row. 
But if it's void of Christ, it's void of salvation. If it's void of Christ, then you don't have the solution to the fear of death. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. I'm producer Rob of Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lentz, reminding you that this is a listener-supported ministry, and we're really hoping you would consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with the -the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry, which reaches a lot of people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for at least $10 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. Now, I'm really excited about this. In fact, we all are. As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. This month's series is called An Invitation to Intimacy, a look at intimacy in marriage through the Song of Solomon. Check this out. That's how I showed my anger. Mm. Not in words, but in, you can't have me. Mm-hmm. And that obviously took a toll in our relationship. Even for me, in a church that didn't shy away from it, it wasn't talked about a ton, but I remember getting married and my wife and I being like, this is weird. Like, so it's good now, I guess. (laughs) There was infidelity, just a lot of financial issues, you know, all those things that make the top list of of why a marriage is hard. The Lord's given us all things to enjoy, the the scriptures say, and freedom is a big word as a Christian. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, what's happened in the church is that The church has not always sent a message that we're supposed to enjoy life and be free. We've put a lot of unnecessary weights on people. And I'm not saying that there aren't boundaries and there's things that God wants done a certain way. But there's also freedoms that we can enjoy pleasure in life. (laughs) All this and more is available to you as a thank you for becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Please visit walkintruth.com and click donate today. That's walkintruth.com, click donate. Walkintruth.com, click donate. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. In this day, at this moment, it might be easier if you just kind of went back there and sat in the back row. But if it's void of Christ, it's void of salvation. If it's void of Christ, then you don't have the solution to the fear of death. You don't have the good news. You don't have the one who is the good news. Now look at verse 16, and this is actually the opening verse of the sermon. (laughs) But we needed all that to set the table. For assuredly, 16 Hebrews 2, he does not give help to angels. Angels have been the subject largely of chapter 1. But he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Now, the writer's not saying that, that Jesus doesn't care about angels. Like, yeah, if, if Michael the archangel or Gabriel's having a problem, I don't care. <laughs> That's not what he's saying. But salvation, which is the subject of Hebrews chapter 2, is not for the angels. He made us in his image. He became one of us. And the help that these believers need to hear about is for them. 
So he doesn't give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. One rendering is, it is not, you see, of angels, but of the offspring of Abraham that he takes hold. The, the actual Greek word here for help uh, or to, to give help is the idea of taking hold. And it's a Greek word used when Peter walked on the water in Matthew 14, looked at the waves and began to sink. And he was like, Lord, save me. And Jesus took hold of him and pulled him up. And then, of course, he said, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? This is what Hebrews 2 is saying, verse 16. He takes hold of the son of Abraham. Some of you are like, well, wait a minute. I'm not a son of Abraham. Uh, I'm a Gentile. I'm Italian. So as far as I know, I'm not connected to Abraham. But anyone who exercises faith in Jesus Christ is a son of Abraham. That's Galatians 3. I think it's verse 29. If you belong to Christ... Galatians 3.29, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise, because Abraham was a believer prior to the Jewish nation even being started, really. Abraham believed in the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Genesis 15.6. So if you're a believer, you're part of the offspring of Abraham, who was a believer. And so here's the assurance. He does give help. Third point in, uh, if you're taking notes, our Lord is our helper and holder. Uh, taking that Greek word of taking hold, he's our helper and our holder. He holds on to us. He takes hold of us and carries us with the idea of deliverance, just like Peter was rescued from drowning. Therefore, in light of this, for this reason, Hebrews 2.17, he had to... Some scholars believe the had to there suggests moral obligation. He had to be made like his brothers or his brethren or his brothers and sisters in all things or in every way that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining or in service to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. If you're taking notes, number four, he is our merciful mediator. He had to be made like us in every way so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. And I was reading someone this week and they said, you know, it's one thing when your wife is in labor to tell her, honey, um, it's going to be okay. I'm with you. Here's a nice chip. Uh, you know, maybe you have to duck every third contraction <laughs> or whatever. Sorry, you know, <laughs> I'm a man. But if you were to experience giving birth, which some people in our culture believe that men can now, but that's another story. Um, but if you were to go through the birthing process as a man, you would be a little bit more empathetic to your wife when child number two or three came along because it would be different if you were just saying, it's going to be okay, do that breathing. <laughs> we took that class, remember that? Yeah, but... If you had been through the pain of it before, your empathy would be completely different. Christ Jesus is a merciful mediator because he entered into our pain, lived the human life, died terribly on that cross being rejected and persecuted. He is our merciful high priest. And it sounds like the language here speaks that 
He was obliged to be so. He was 100% human. This is why we always talk about this. And 100% God. He experienced everything that we experience yet without sin. And for the first time, we have this introduction that he is our merciful, end of verse 17, and faithful. Here's his high priestly ministry. We'll, we'll study more on this, but he's a merciful and faithful high priest. Now, if you've done any study on the Old Testament, you know the importance of the role of the high priest, especially on the Day of Atonement. And the high priest had to come in there with a sacrifice and make atonement for the sins of the people. But much of what he did was symbolic, right? He, he was a man and high priests would be born and they would die. And on the Day of Atonement, it was a big deal and you had to do all things the right way. It was the only time you could enter into the Holy of Holies and that not without blood. And you had to do everything the right way. Otherwise, God might strike you dead and you approach the Holy of Holies. Finally, the curtain opened and you could go, you know, where the mercy seat was and apply the blood and all the symbolism of the cross and the holiness of God is there. Jesus Christ is our merciful and faithful high priest who came in with his own blood and offered atonement for the sins of the people. The high priest offered the blood of an animal. Our high priest offers his own blood to his father. Amen. You've been listening to He is Able to Help, part two on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 2, 16 through 18. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is available on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel. Maybe these Ten Commandment teachings are bringing up some feelings you need to let out, or perhaps you have more questions. Go ahead and call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael one more time before we go. Well, maybe you would say, I never really thought about Jesus in the sense that he went through what I go through, like he understands what it is to be a human. And that's because he is human. And sometimes people go, they scratch their heads. Wait a minute. You say, Jesus is God? And then you say he's human. Which is it? Well, it's actually both. He's 100% God. We taught this in the opening study of Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. I think it's an incredibly powerful section. 100% God taking on the additional nature of humanity when he became that baby in Bethlehem. We call it the incarnation. And that means that when Jesus resurrected and ascended back into heaven, he's still the God-man. And when you come to him, he understands because he's fully human. And a lot of people, a lot of believers, while we might know it theologically, we don't always think it through in terms of our prayer life and when we cry out to him that he is sympathetic because he, he does truly understand what it is to be human. And that's the confidence, part of the confidence you can have when you cry out to him. Not that we would need that because God is full of compassion, even you know, if we put that aside. Yet it's such a beautiful addition, if you will, to the beauty of him understanding us. And he does know what you're going through, even right now, my friend, my brother, my sister. 
I'll say my friend because maybe you're not a Christian and you've heard, this is the first time you've ever heard anything like this. And you're like, well, what do I do with it? He's able to help and he'll throw you the life preserver, but you got to grab it. How do you grab it? By faith. This is not about works. The life preserver is thrown out and all you got to do is grab hold of eternal life by faith, repent of your sin. What does that mean, repent of your sin? Turn away from it. Turn to God through Jesus. Believe what the Bible says about him, that he's God in human flesh, that he lived the perfect life for you, died on the cross in your place, rose from the dead, ascended back into heaven, and has a ministry right now for you and me today. This is the good good news of the gospel, my friend. It's so, so good. And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with the -the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for at least $10 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael. You'll have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. This month's series is called An Invitation to Intimacy, a look at intimacy in marriage through the Song of Solomon. All this and more is available to you as a thank you for becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com and click donate. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 2, 16 through 18, called He is Able to Help. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.